Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. And at this time, I'd like to invite forward our uh, special guest for the weekend, Daphne Charles. Daphne, if you would come uh, take a seat with me. Um, We also have Maya is with us from Haiti as well. Maya, give a good wave to everybody. We are are delighted. Today's sermon will be sort of a conversation between Daphne and I. Uh, Daphne and Maya um, were here this week um, for the um, Haitian Timun Foundation's gala event and our board meeting Um, And it is a joy to have you here as a partner in ministry. Um, Daphne, um, you you may have read some of her bio uh, on the information sheet that you were handed. Um, But Daphne is a graduate of Kiskea University in in Haiti, um, made possible through a HELP scholarship, the Haitian Education Leadership Program. Um, Daphne has gone on uh, to do some remarkable things in her life. She has studied at Dartmouth and in 2017 was named as one of the 10 most influential women in Haiti. Uh, She currently works for HELP as a a development director, raising resources, raising funding, so that they can continue their mission. So welcome, Daphne. Let's give Daphne a warm welcome. Thank you. (laughs) So Daphne, tell us us about your journey as a child and um, the challenges that you faced in, in education in Haiti. Well, thank you, Lauren, and thank you, everybody, for having me. It's a very great pleasure to see some of some of the familiar faces and to see to meet new people. So, uh, I was born in Port-au-Prince, the capital of Haiti, and I, I am a member of a family of five children. I have two older brothers and two younger sisters. And my mom and dad they didn't finish primary school. So we are first generation in my family to ever finish secondary school and college. But my mom was a very tenacious woman, very determined. She wanted her kids to go to school because she was sent in in Port-au-Prince to just to be a restavec, just like a, a, a kid slave to people. And she didn't want that for her children. She wanted instead for her children to be able to speak uh, French, and then so that they can have opportunities. So even though my dad was jobless most of the time, but my mom was very determined, and she sold everything that you could think of in the streets, uh, in public supermarket, to make sure that we will go to school. But having five children in a country where 80% of the schools are private can be very, very difficult because you have to pay for everything yourself as a parent. So, and I remember uh, just to help her sometimes when she will give me some pocket money to buy lunch, I would instead use that to buy books so that I could I could help her. But also sometimes they will send you back home because if you don't pay the school, they try to, to use some pressure to your parents so that they can go you know, um, maybe lend money from people or take money with an interest, but sometimes we were sent back uh, back home. And I remember how embarrassing this was because it's like 
at 9 a.m. and you are in the streets walking and then everybody's, you know, like, because Haitian parents, they, they, all of them, they really care about, about children and then they see you in the streets and then they're like, what's going on? What did, what did you do in the school? And then you're like, uh, we have some tuition issues and, and I was, oh, okay. So it was very, very difficult, but, um, the efforts paid off because then my mom was able to help us to go to uh, to secondary school. And then when I was in, in, in my last year in secondary school, I found help. And because of my good grades, I was awarded a scholarship. Help people understand um, the percentages of young people that actually make it out of primary school and, and eventually reach high school or even are able to go to college. What is the situation like in Haiti for most people? Well, less than 50% of Haitians, they don't go to, you know, to school at all, unfortunately. And about 14% made it to secondary school. They finished secondary school. And only 1% go to university. And which is worse is that um, most of the ones that go to university, 84% of them, they live outside of the country. So Haiti has the highest brain drain in the world, like the people with a college degree, they are unfortunately living outside of the country. And I think this is one of the main roots of our issues because how can you lead a country with people with no education, not even you know, secondary level education, that's really tough. And that's where HELP's mission comes in, uh, the Haitian Education Leadership Program. Tell us about HELP, its mission, and how you, um, you got involved with this amazing opportunity. So HELP, uh, HELP stands for Haitian Education and Leadership Program. And what they do, they uh, offer a university, merit-based university scholarship to students to go to university in Haiti. So they sponsor students to go in university, not abroad, but in the country. That way also they help the university system. And the mission is to create a new generation of leaders, professionals, that will contribute to a more just society in Haiti. So it's not only about sending people to school, but it's also about uh, providing them leadership skills so that afterward, they could become the leaders, ethical leaders for the country. So when I, when I heard about help for the first time, I, th I think it was a joke, or I think it was you know, some of, one of these uh, standard thing, process that you have to go to, but that will never really get through. So I, I filled out the form and I completely forgot about it. And they, were, they, they persisted in calling me because at that time I had no cell phone. It was in 2007. I had no cell phone. I had no, like the phone with the wire. I didn't have that at home neither. So I gave the phone number of a neighbor and then they kept calling many times and that neighbor, every time that they tried, he, he was looking through his window to see if I was home and I wasn't and he tell, she's not here. They call again, she said the same, he said the same thing. Until, you know, they, they presented so much that he said uh, he was forced to send somebody to get me. And when I came, he said, come and go talk to these people. I don't know what you have done to them, but they will not stop calling. <laughs> so go talk to these people and, you know, uh, deal what you, anything that you have with them. So, but that was, that was my chance to go to help. So I, I did the, the interview. I was awarded uh, the scholarship and I'm very glad now that I given back 
to help mentoring the students mm -hmm. uh, uh, at, at the campus and also to help raise resources. And, and help scholarships are, as you said, they're merit-based. And so they're provided to the poorest of the poor in Haiti who otherwise could never afford to go to college, but they have to have um, a perfect marks, perfect yeah. grades through all of their education. Um, and every year, um, there are hundreds and hundreds of students that qualify yeah. for these scholarships, yeah. but due to funding and lack of funding, uh, how, many, how many new students are awarded a, a scholarship um, in any given year? Well, at, uh, it's about 10% uh, because we, we receive about 500 applicants. And to only receive an application, you need to show a straight A from your, from your uh, f uh, fall, fall last year in, in, uh, in, in high school. secondary high school, second. high school. So you have to show a straight A to receive an application. So we receive uh, 400 to 500 applications every, every year, and we can uh, give about 50 scholarships every year. 50 scholarships, 25 uh, and, percent, and yeah, less than. Yeah, so, it, and, and like for me, I always say it would be very easy to give 200. I think 200 are qualified, about half is qualified, but unfortunately, because of the lack of resources, we can only take what we can really, we can, we can, we can promise only what we can, we can afford. Right, right. Daphne, I, I was hoping you could give a little voice to, um, to help people because I know many people here hear about Haiti and our congregation is deeply committed um, to, to Haiti and, and to the Haitian Education Leadership Program. Catch people up to speed on the current state of what's happening in your country and just how hard it is um, for help to operate right now. Yeah, well, it, it's really a very uh, difficult subject because every time that I do this trip, I always have to talk about the, the issues in Haiti. And unfortunately, every time it gets worse, you know, like it, it gets worse and you think it cannot go worse than that, but it, it, it does go worse than that. But uh, currently, uh, the situation, it's very, very at its, at its worst state, I would say, uh, because like school should be re reopened tomorrow for kids, and I'm not sure this is going to happen. Um, mostly because there's a big um, violence situation with gangs in different areas who are trying to control territories. We even, ha we even have areas that have been controlled by gangs for two years now, two years. And then even in some places you know, that are called residential, like if you visit Haiti, you know Petionville, you know, mm -hmm. it's a very residential area. Gangs are trying to take that territory as well. Mm -hmm. My family has been affected this week, uh, uh, the day that I was leaving to come here, uh, again, during the, uh, the night before, tried to attack our territory, and we scared so much for our lives that we had to leave the house. And my family uh, is now living with friends or with some other uh, family members. And on top of that, there's a fuel situation where fuel is not available. Like myself, I haven't been able to buy gasoline for seven weeks. Seven weeks. I, I work home every day, haven't been able, like I go out only for urgency. Like you have to go buy a medicine or maybe you have to go buy food, you know. So it, it's, it's very, very difficult. And also kidnappings, is kidnappings are, are rising in many, many places. And I've also been affected by that. Um, my sister was kidnapped in April 
and she's still very traumatized by the situation. So um, people are not saying it enough, but Haiti is currently in a humanitarian crisis and action is needed now. If not, there's gonna be a lot of loss in terms of lives and, uh, and it's going to be a big chaos. Yeah. When we first met, it was in 2011 when on one of my first trips to Haiti. And at that time, in 2011, Haiti was the most impoverished country in the Western Hemisphere. There were very real challenges that the country was facing from a long history of, of injustices. Um, it was right on the heels of the 2010 uh, devastating earthquake that, that resulted in millions of people losing their lives. Um, and just as, as troubling and as hard as the situation in Haiti was 11 years ago uh, when we first met, it is, um, it is in a totally different place now. Uh, much resulted from the assassination a year ago of the president, Moise. Um, uh, Henry Ariel is in power, but not really a, a just power system right now. Um, when you think of your country and you think of the, the challenges that it's facing, and then you think of coming here to America, a 90-minute flight away from America's abundance, there is uh, people suffering. How do you process that in light of the gospel lesson that we read for today? Well, I feel like it's, um, you know, it's, it's exactly what's happening. It, it's maybe Haiti is the Lazarus of, of modern days. And we, we are really in a very bad situation where people cannot even eat, you know, on a daily basis. And just like the gospel says, it's, it's a good time to show compassion and to show mercy to, to this group of people. Because I do also think that uh, Haiti has made the world different with the first revolution of black people. And I think everybody that is black is owing that to Haiti. Right. Uh, to that, that, so because if it was not for Haiti to take the lead, it would have been maybe years later and it would have been with so, uh, so many bad, more uh, bad consequences. So um, I think it's uh, just like the gospel said, it, it's not for tomorrow because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's, it's for today. It's today that people have to take action and everybody can do something, you know. Uh, everybody can make a call to the senator and to really uh, draw their attention to what's happening to Haiti. I think everybody can make a call uh, I know people here are already supporting uh, Haiti for the long term uh, through HTF, and I appreciate that very much, and I thank you for that, and I think it's a good way uh, to, to solve Haiti's problem, to really uh, invest in education and leadership. This is what we need. Yeah, yeah Daphne, I, I like what you said about everybody can be compassionate now. Um, the gospel story is about the rich man who who only later in his own suffering um, realizes, uh, has the message that um, it, it was too late at that point in, in the parable for him to be compassionate. Um, compassion right now. What do you think helps people grow in compassion? I, I think it's, it's having empathy to really try to put yourself in the shoes of somebody else. Uh, because we can have many differences that are visible, but inside we are the same and our emotions are the same. Uh, the pain 
of suffering is the same for everybody. So if you were forced to leave your house that you have worked for so long, you would have felt what it means, you know, to have to run for your life and live in your house. If you had, you know, your kids, our kids nap for many days and not seeing your kid at home, you will know what that means. And if you have to lose a loved one, like th this doesn't change, despite our differences in colors, you know, and where we live. But the pain of suffering doesn't change. And Haitian people, they are suffering. And I think a way to, to really show that empathy, it's, it's a great, I think it's a, it's a good thing that I am here to help you to, to understand the situation, the situation better so that you really, you really grasp the, 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 the sense of it, but also staying connected to Haiti to understand what's happening. It's a good way to really know what's going on and to really try to put yourself in the shoes of the Haitian and just, and just think, if it was me, if it was my family member, how would I feel? That's well said, Daphne. We need Haiti. Um, we need relationship with you as much It's equal. We need each other uh, because we are all human. We are all God's children. Um, I want to pray for you and to pray over you. Um, uh, before long, Daphne will be heading back to Haiti where she lives and she works, and um, you face many challenges heading back there. So we want to pray for your safety. So I would invite everyone uh, to pray with me if you want to put a hand forward. Um, in solidarity as I pray for Daphne. Uh, we want to pray for you. God of compassion, God of love, God of mercy, we give you thanks for Daphne Charles and for Maya, for Lukner Fondros, for all of our Haitian partners who have made great sacrifices to be with us here. Um, she is the living word, the proclamation of your good news. Uh, keep her safe. Keep her healthy, keep her whole, protect her family, send angels to watch over them and to guide them, to lead them. We pray for the mission of help and the students that are working and studying every day um, to, to create a just Haiti and, and a just leadership class. We pray all of this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.